Hi friends, welcome back to I Am Epiphany. I'm your creator and host, Bethany Epiphany, and yes, Epiphany is my real name. Tune in as I share my thoughts and epiphanies on a wide range of topics, from pop culture to social justice issues, to simply navigating life as a millennial. You won't be hearing just my thoughts and epiphanies, but from those who I find interesting and awesome. If it's your first time, I'm so excited to have you here. If you are returning, it is my pleasure to welcome you back. Hello, friends. How are you? I hope you're well. Me? Oh my gosh, thanks for asking. Listen, friends, December has been a bit chilly, okay? It's been a bit chilly. I mean that literally and figuratively. It's cold, okay? Like, I live in LA, and it's cold, and I don't own a coat. You know what I'm saying? Not a real one, and your girl is struggling, If anybody can help me out, like, where can I get a good winter L.A. coat? Okay, let me know. Because I don't do the cold. (laughs) Those who know me know this. Um, Pray for me. The chill also came from something else that I'll get into a bit later. But outside of the cold, I was able to experience a little warmth. I had an opportunity to be a guest speaker at my old middle school. It was really like a great experience. It was so surreal to be back. I left that middle school not on the best terms due to the administration at the time. But to be back, like I never thought I would return. (laughs) But the universe works in mysterious ways, y'all. Okay, the universe is up there playing around with us. The students and the teachers were awesome. The students were attentive and they asked really good questions. Um, The teacher told me that the students had done some research on me. They Googled me, which is so funny to think about. Like, to think about the fact that I can be Googled, like I'm Googleable, it's so funny to me. Um, But these students, they definitely did their research. They were asking me all these questions, honey. And I'm like, how do you know about that? Like they were, they (laughs) dug deep, Um, but they were great. And I kept thinking about the journey I had been on after leaving. Like when you think about your time in middle school and how long ago that was, well, depending on how old you are listening to this, but so much has happened and so much has yet to happen. It's not until we look back that we can begin to connect the dots and understand the bigger tapestry that is our life and how every event, moment connects with the next and you understand the purpose and the meaning of why you experienced what you did. It's pretty trippy. I had another full full circle moment this weekend teaching college students and encouraging them to share their stories and that their stories matter. And afterwards, the students would come up to me and thank me and say how much they appreciated it and that they were glad to have the time to reflect and how they never thought they had a story or anything worth sharing. And their appreciation was 
a nice reminder of why I do what I do. Look, y'all, the work I do is healing work at the core of it. And healing work takes a lot of energy. Like, it takes intention and energy to create a safe space. It takes energy to listen and affirm people. And sometimes you feel like you're pouring into people who don't appreciate it. And that is beyond draining. But it was nice to have the reminder. Like, I really needed it. It gave me peace of mind knowing that what I was doing was having a positive effect. Um, Speaking of peace, the focus this week is the road to peace. Um, Keeping our peace in the midst of the storm. Peace of mind is imperative. And we all know what can happen when your peace of mind has been completely stripped. This leads me to the recent story about the tragic loss of Stephen Twitch, aka Twitch Boss, who was a beloved DJ, dancer, and television host and television producer. And his death um, shocked the nation. And the outpour of love and support from celebrities and dancers and artists and everyday people who had the pleasure of meeting and or knowing him was pretty overwhelming. Unfortunately, I was unaware of who he was until the news of his death swept my feed. For those who don't know, um, as worded by People Magazine, Boss rose to fame as a contestant on MTV's The Wade Robson Project before becoming a runner-up on Star Search. He later competed on So You Think You Can Dance in 2008, um, ending season four as a runner-up and later returning as an all-star. He was a judge when the show returned in 2022. In 2014, Boss joined the Ellen DeGeneres show as a guest DJ He eventually became a permanent fixture on the series and was elevated to co-executive producer status in 2020. Twitch died by suicide. And since the announcement of his passing, conversations about mental health have soared. On my timeline, people were posting crisis hotline information, They were posting words of encouragement, telling people that they were loved, that they were needed, that they were wanted, that they were uh, deserving. Like the outpour of love was was really um, incredible. Even more specifically, people were talking about black men and mental health. Being a black man in America is a unique experience, to put it lightly that requires a therapist who understands and can speak to that experience. Listen, if a black man tells me he's thinking about or interested in going to therapy, I celebrate that. It's like I hear the heavens open up. It's like you're telling me that you're going to address destructive, toxic behavior patterns with a professional? You mean to tell me that you're going to address family trauma? You mean to tell me that you are equipping yourself with the mental, emotional tools you need to be healthy? Sign me up! Put a ring on my finger! That's so attractive to me. 
As someone who has gone to therapy and who has been on a healing and growing journey, my concern has been meeting someone who hasn't invested in their healing and growth. You know, like someone who hasn't and isn't aware that they need to work on themselves. As someone who has only dated and saw myself marrying a black man, you know, I was concerned about a development gap between us because not enough black men get therapy or participate in healing spaces. And there are reasons for that. I was concerned that he would turn me into his therapist, which I'm not. Um, While my desire is to be an emotional support for my partner, and I have this innate desire to help those I care about, I've been in that position before, and it was very draining, and I don't want to be in that position again. So it's like, while I'm on my road to peace, you know, he needs to be on his road as well, and utilizing the resources that he can. It's unfortunate that Twitch's death was a catalyst for this increased conversation about mental health. However, I'm glad that it is a topic being brought back into the light. There is always talk about the benefits of therapy, but I feel like there isn't enough conversation about the barriers that stop, especially Black men, from receiving therapy. For one... There's still a negative stigma that lingers about seeking therapy. The fear is that you'll appear crazy or weak or unwell. There's a fear of public perception and how others will judge you. Um, There's also a distrust of the medical system, and that is for a valid reason. The historical and systemic racism in medicine, the mistreatment, the bias, Uh, the lack of diversity and cultural misunderstandings. It's like, why would you want to enter a space that does not understand you or your culture? A space that originally was not built to service you. I also think men have been conditioned to not express or talk about their feelings. We have defined manhood by a lack of emotion and men are taught to bottle their feelings to the point that they don't even know how to communicate what they feel. The only emotion we accept from men is anger. Anger is manly. So going into a space that requires you to talk about how you feel can be unnerving and uncomfortable because you haven't been taught how to do it. And being vulnerable can feel scary when your whole life you've been taught that it's a sign of weakness. When in reality, vulnerability requires a lot of strength and courage. Another barrier to therapy is the cost. Therapy is expensive, y'all. Like, I couldn't afford therapy until last year. Don't get me wrong. I think therapists and counselors and social workers deserve to get paid well for the work they do. Creating space for people to unload their fears, traumas, confusion, pain, and joy can take a lot out of you. However, I think our government, I think every state should make mental health services affordable and accessible to people. The happiness and safety of a country has a lot to do with the health of that country. And unfortunately, this country prioritizes money over health, especially the health of black people. Even if you do have some extra dollars for some sessions, another barrier is like, where do you even start? 
How do you find a therapist? Where do you go? Who do you speak to? Yes, there is always Google, but sometimes it's nice to be pointed in the right direction, to be given resources by someone you trust. But if no one around you is getting therapy, like who do you go to to ask questions? It can make starting the process a headache. Let's say you find a therapist and it's not a good match. That could easily discourage you from continuing. Because now you have to start the, the process of searching all over again. Not to mention you're even more skeptical. These are just some of the barriers that I wish people were talking about. Because if we address the barriers, then we can begin thinking about the solutions. We can get closer to therapy and mental health services being accessible by the everyday person instead of a luxury seized by the few. Um, Therapy is great, but it's not the only thing one can do to maintain peace when things around you are chaotic. Listen, y'all, I recently had my peace rocked. And I'll share with you some things I did on my journey to peace, on my road to peace. Um, We'll be right back after the break. Before the break, I mentioned that my peace had been rocked this month. I'm not in therapy at the moment, so I had to realign my peace without that resource, like so many others have to do. I will save the details, details, maybe for another episode, maybe. But let's just say there was a toxic energy in the form of a stranger who tornadoed into my life unexpectedly and without invitation. I was dealing with harassment and I was stressed. Initially, I thought it would go away that this toxic person would stop, so I kept it to myself. But the harassment didn't stop, and it created more stress. One thing I decided to do to regain my peace, which I didn't want to do, was talk about it with my brothers. I don't know about you all, but when I'm dealing with things, I hesitate to tell people close to me because... Number one, sometimes I fear their response to my stressful situation won't help and will only amplify things simply because when you're dealing with people who love and care about you, if they see you stressed or angry or emotional, it makes them stressed, angry and emotional and they go into protective mode and, you know, they're ready ready to go to war. And I just didn't want anything to be amplified. I wanted energy that would calm me down. And then two, you know, everybody has their own stuff, their own stressors that they are navigating. And I didn't want to add anything extra onto their plates. However, my brothers were supportive and gave me insight on what actions to take. One of my brothers is an attorney and the other is a mental health professional. I'm sure you're thinking, duh, Bethany, like you were tripping, girl. You should have just said something to them. Well, eventually I did. I think it's just a reminder that on the road to peace, we feel like we have to walk the road alone and we don't have to. Lean on those people in your trusted circle. You don't have to suffer in silence by yourself. Better out than in, I say. (laughs) 
So speak up. Those around you may have insight that could really help you. The second thing I did to regain my peace is to allow myself to feel what I felt, but I didn't stay in that place. I do not deny or smother what I feel. I let it out. I let it flow through me, whether I cry it out or write it out. Writing is very cathartic. Hello, I'm a writer. Um, Crying is also very healthy. A therapist once told me that if we didn't need to cry, then God would not have given us tears. And I think, you know, that's very true. Like, it's a cleansing experience to release what has been pent up in a way that's that's healthy. And after I let it all out, I get back up. And I placed my attention on things that made me happy, on the things that were actually important. I think the road to peace means shifting our thoughts. If we are belaboring or replaying the wrongs or challenges that are taking place, it's so easy to be overtaken by them. So after being upset, I shift my focus by focusing on things that really mattered and that I enjoyed. I shifted my focus through the help of prayer, meditation, connecting with friends, doing work that that matters to me. The third thing that helped me on my road to peace is my stubbornness. Um, I don't know if any of you have dealt with harassment, but it's frustrating. Very frustrating. Um, and it can be scary. But I refuse to allow this person to dismantle the peace. The peace that I worked so hard to build. My attitude was like, oh, hell no. Hell no. Like, I refuse to let this person, this stranger, this liar, this um, peace disturber, like, win. Like, I refuse to give this person my energy. I took the steps I needed to resolve the situation, and I had to rest in that. And now I'm going to introduce uh, my special guest who will talk about his road to peace. Wonderful. You are on the mic. Okay. It wouldn't let through the app, but I made it through the web third. <laughs> did you? I believe. Mm-hmm. I did indeed. I don't know wow. how to uh, mute on this, though. Oh, because you're on your pods? Mm. I thought they would have given me a mute button. But okay. I'll You're quit. fine. Just don't be smacking while you talking. That's all I like, asked. Like this? You're annoying. I'm trying. I'm let, me, let me. You're you're ruining the introduction. Let me I'm introduce you. It. This is gold. You're not following the, the rules, the structure that I've laid out for you. OMG. Follow <laughs> directions. God. Sorry. Back to peace. 
Oh my gosh, so annoying. Anyways, <laughs> friends who are listening to this podcast, God bless you and your patience. I would like to introduce you to our guest on this episode. This guest happens to me, happens to be my big brother, which is why I can banter with him the way that I do. Ephraim is a therapist and a clinical social worker. And I thought that he was someone, just the perfect person to talk to um, regarding this topic of the road to peace and mental health and uh, black men. He is a black man, just in case. The I am. People, people were curious about that. I, I identify as an, as a black man. Amen and Ashe. So my question, my first question to you, Ephraim, I kind of went over this earlier, but talking about, you know, after Twitch's um, suicide, you know, there was a lot of conversation about mental health and words of encouragement and telling people to prioritize um, going to therapy and speaking to someone, which I really appreciated. However, I didn't feel like there was enough conversation about the possible or potential barriers to people of color or especially black men seeking therapy. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. Um, any thoughts as to why um, black men don't go to therapy? Oh, shit. Well, I'm sorry. Can I curse on this? You can curse. curse. Okay, shit. Where do I start, man? Like, um, you know, I'm a real guy. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not pretentious. I try not to be pretentious in my, my practice because the people that I serve or the people I feel most honored when I'm serving are people that look like me. And, you know, sometimes there's, there are preconceived notions about how you have to show up in therapy in order to be quote unquote doing it right. So I think sometimes that can be an issue for some people. They don't think that they have, that they're equipped to go to therapy, which is crazy because you're, you're going there because you're trying to learn tools. You're trying, you know, you're supposed to be able to present as you are, but I think there's sometimes an assumption about even that, like, even when you're supposed to be able to come in with your guard down, you have to have your defenses up. And I think that that's often, I think that tends to be the case more, more often for, for black men for plenty of reasons. Historically, you know, we can, unfortunately we always have to go back to, to racism and how it's kind of permeated every system um, in this country and even how we get access to proper care, proper support, how things are certain stick um certain things are stigmatized for us versus other communities. So I think all of that plays into why black men in particular are probably less likely to seek out therapy. You know. Yeah. We are constantly on guard, we're trying to make sure that we survive the day. Um, and we don't have a lot of spaces where 
it's been deemed okay to just let our hair down. Um, so that's a muscle that ends up atrophying for us. One that we really need to have the permission to to exercise. And I don't think we 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 don't know that we have that permission a lot of times. Right. The what you said right there, not knowing that they have the to access mm-hmm. those things. And yeah. I feel like even the thought of like how like how to begin accessing those things. Cause I think it's easy for people to say, you know. Go to therapy, prioritize your mental health, but it's like, where do you even start with that? You know what I'm saying? Even if you you got a few dollars in your pocket, you're able to, you know, set aside a few sessions. It's like, where do you even begin? Mm-hmm. And you can say, like, go to Google and do search, but mm-hmm. the process of researching and searching for help can knock your motivation out. Sure, um, for sure. For sure. And that's probably 75% of it is was where people get discouraged is in that initial search. You don't initially see something, you don't immediately see something that resonates with you and you lose motivation and you don't go back, you know, but that happens. That's probably three quarters of, of the people that need services or that really would benefit from them. That's where they fall. Right. And I just think about, you know, the lack of representation and how, you know, how wonderful it would be to have more Black male mental health providers or professionals. Mm -hmm. um, Because there's, you know, so much bias and um, you want someone who can relate to you culturally and it's just... You know, it just kind of breaks my heart. It, it reminds me of the of the story you shared when you know, being one of few professionals or therapists. You know, kind of like the weight of that, and mm-hmm. having an influx of black men or boys who are wanting help and wanting your help specifically because you are a black man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like. I've had what what's crazy to me is I I have mentors in addition to colleagues asking me if I can see their child. Now these are people in the field. These are other black, you know, mothers and aunts. And they have they have the access that I have. But it's still hard to find somebody. So they end up coming, you know, Ephraim, can you can you see, you know, so and so for, you know, for a little bit? And I'm like, dang, if y'all can get it, imagine how much more difficult it is for people who don't even have your knowledge base to find someone decent, to find someone affordable, you know, not even we can't even get to being, you know, a black male. Like that's a unicorn. Like that's you know what I'm saying? So just finding somebody decent, you know, and I, I do want to say this, though. 
it is important for us to be open to seeing someone that doesn't look like us because that can offer a perspective that can be very helpful. It um, just depends on the stage of treatment that you're in. You know, a lot of times you go through a, a couple of therapists before you find someone that really locks in with you. Um, and there'll be therapists that are there to kind of help you get your feet wet, um, helping you kind of formalize, formalize what your, your goals really are for coming to therapy. And then once you've got that down, you've got some basic skills, you may end up going to somebody else to kind of really help you dig in. It's like trainers, right? So when you're, you have to kind of just be open to the fact that you may not benefit as much from that black therapist just because they're black. Right. And just because Sally Sue and grow up in neighborhood doesn't mean that they can't be um, a vital, you know, um, addition to, and to your, your support team because that's what the therapist is there to do is support you and whatever it is you're direct you know whatever goals you're trying to accomplish um going back to you know kind of like the focus of you know what you mentioned to me though like for for black men it's sometimes we need that initial or you know we need that initial comfort from seeing someone that looks like looks like them looks like us so that's why I am happy that I'm in the space so that I'm not able to get to everybody, but at least there's one more face, you know, maybe I can help bridge the gap, let people know that, Hey, it's okay. It's okay. You know, brothers, brothers go to therapy, brothers do therapy and you can feel safe um, enough to, you know, to go. And, you know, start that healing process. Um, right. Yeah. So if there's a black man listening or someone listening who knows a black man who's interested in getting therapy, seeking mental health resources, what would you say would be a good first step to approaching this? Man. Um, I'm going to start just with the basics. 211 is usually the, the most up-to-date in, term, in terms of access to mental health resources. You can dial 211 and l- give them your location and what kind of services you seek. And they should be able to give you a list of available resources in your area. People overlook 211. I reference it all the time, even when I'm working on uh in my practice so 211 is is a definitely a good first one to start with you can do your googles um but for those that have insurance your insurance most insurance if not all insurance i believe now uh cover mental health services so you should be able to dial the 800 number on the back of your, or whatever the, the 900 number on the back of your 
insurance card or on your insurance or um, your insurer's website. And there are people, there are agencies that they can directly refer you to those that are those that are in partnership with your insurance carrier. Like I know for for my private practice, I want to say we have a partnership with like a Blue Shield and and I think there's another person on the team that has Medi-Cal. Um, that's a Medi-Cal approved provider. So if you know your insurance, if you know your insurance, you can go to your insurer's website or the card that they give you. There's always a number somewhere on that card where you can call and let them and, and inquire about a list of mental health providers. That's the easiest way to get started. Now, they're not going to tell you uh, if you want to go see, you know, the black man. This is the list of black. Like, they're not going to have it that extensive. But it will help you at least get started. Um, and then maybe the, the therapist that you initially connect to, you can tell them. Just be very direct and just let them know, hey, I'm interested in finding, finding an African-American provider. Do you think that you would be able to help me get connected? Um, and I don't see a therapist turning you down for that if they have that access or if they can at least point you in the right direction. It's not a one-step move. It's, it's going to be about two or three. And, right. um, but hopefully over time, we, we get more and more of us in, interested in being mental health providers so that it won't just be on a, a small handful of us to, to carry that that responsibility. As we have been discussing this road to peace, um, what is your road to peace? So in moments of chaos or stress, um, what are some things that you do to regain your peace? Listen, I'm going to tell you like I tell my clients, I'm not just a, a, a seller. I mean, I'm not just pushing the shit. I'm a user, too. So <laughs> the same things I tell my clients, I do. I get out of the house. I get my ass up. I get go, I go stand in front of some sunshine. That's what I did this morning, like real talk. Um, I went in the backyard. It was cold as a motherfucker. I got up, and I just stood in front of the, in front of the sun, found a good spot. Well, me and my dog and just stood um, and stared at the sun and just took some deep breaths. Like that's literally what I did this morning. And I tried to identify one positive just um, to retrain my mind. Right. Because we're always susceptible to finding or thinking or uh, fixating on what's not going right. Um, so that's one of the first things that I try to do. Right. Um, so I, I I did. You can try that. That's always one thing that I do to try to establish a a, a basis for my day, um, a place finding a place of gratitude to sit in. Um, I also meditate. Um, that's a practice that some that you have to be consistent and diligent about, and if you want to maximize the benefit of it, but meditation is super super important learning to be present 
will really help to remove a lot of the intense anxieties that we carry as people because we're constantly battling with our limitations as humans, with our essentially our mortality and realizing where our power um, realizing the the limits of our power is where, what creates that that angst in us because we're realizing just how small we are and compared to maybe the problem and that causes a lot of excessive anxiety but remembering to uh, learning to stay in the present learning to appreciate what's happening in this moment and not try to anticipate or not try to um, worry about things beyond the control of the moment is a skill, but it's a vital skill in helping me to retain peace. Um, of course, listening to music, I'm a musician. That's always a go-to for me. Like I, I, I probably have my headphones in way more than I, I need to. But being able to just kind of escape in a healthy way to to music helps me to maintain my equilibrium. I would say writing. That's always a good release for me and allowing me to get back to a peaceful space. So those are just some basic things like getting outside, getting active, being around nature, journaling, listening to music, in my case, creating music when I can, and meditation, you know, and even if meditation is too much of a, you know, word for people, just sitting in a quiet space, you know, setting a timer for 10 minutes and giving yourself one idea or one piece of gratitude to focus on or not focusing on anything but breathing for 10 minutes a day will change your life so those are amen no thank you for sharing that um i really appreciate it everything you said just really resonates in this whole idea of retraining the mind is is so important i think that is you know the foundation of this journey to peace and the or the road to peace and the retraining of the mind is you know building a muscle and it takes intention and consistency but it can start with the with the basics like you said going outside getting the sun on your face. Um, for me, it's moving my body, uh, practicing moments of stillness, deep breathing, right? All these things to help redirect or interrupt the thought patterns that can bring on that, that stress. Um, so I definitely appreciate you being so open and candid about your road to peace and the things that, that you do. And I hope that everyone listening um, understands that the road to peace is 
you know, <sighs> a work in progress, right? Again, it's, it's a muscle that you're building, but it can be built. Another thing I forgot to mention on my road to peace, what helped to restore my peace was remembering that moment that I was experiencing was temporary. It was not going to last. I knew that the storm would pass and life would continue, and it did. And that's with every struggle that I've been through. It always passed. So on your road to peace, just know that your storm will pass. It always does. And you are strong enough to withstand any storm. You will grow from it. You will learn from it. And you will be better for it. If you want to follow Ephraim on not just his road to peace, but his musical journey, you should. He goes by the name Love Logic. That is L-O-V-E-L-O-G-I-Q. Follow him on all the socials at Love Logic. Again, that's L-O-V-E-L-O-G-I-Q. That is one word. And check out his new single, Inspiration. It's a record for anyone that might be feeling stuck or fearful about the unknowns of life that gets thrown our way, which ties in perfectly with what we've been talking about. Inspiration is available everywhere. Apple Music, Spotify, YouTube, everywhere. Happy holidays, everyone. I will be back before the month ends with more episodes. Peace. Hey friends, thanks for listening. Please tune in twice a month for new episodes of I Am Epiphany. You can learn more about me, Bethany Epiphany, at bethanyepiphany.com or follow me on Instagram at B-E-P-I-F-A-N-I. Until next time, stay safe, stay cool, God bless.